Hello, you are at the net. And welcome, friends, to another episode of the At The Net podcast, powered by Tex-Mex Productions. Working the soundboards in the back of the house are our producers, D-Mac and Dave the Brain. Time to say hello to your hosts, Craig Bell and AJ Shabria, as they're about to take us through three sets of tennis, talking life and all the news as it seems to them. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Bell. Okay, thanks to our Athenet podcast girl for that fabulous introduction, and welcome fans of the great game you're listening to Season 1, Episode 22 of Athenet Podcast with AJC and CB1, who are talking the great game of tennis as it seems, seems to us. us. Plus, thanks go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions. That would be Darian D. Matt McGrayer and Dave the Brain DeLeo from back of the house who are on the soundboards making making us sound like real people right now. They're moving the dials and, and the uh, the buttons. We are real. real people. We are live. We're not Memorex. That's right. Lastly, be sure to check out our good work on SoundCloud, Fireside, Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all the important communication sites that you kids find popular. And if you're a female, sorry, guys. If you'd like to read the opening intro for... The At The Net Podcast and be an At The Net Podcast girl. Let us know as we're always looking for new female voices, right, AJC? You bet, yeah. We've had some really good ones and another one coming up. Um, what's going on tonight, CB? Well, we are here at The Net with one of the truly great tennis minds, I think, of this of this uh, time frame right now. That would be Wayne Bryan, who uh, has uh, a little bit of knowledge about the great game of tennis, don't you think? I think a little bit, and not just tennis, but... Uh, Parenting and life in general. The guy's uh, the guy's a renaissance man. I'm proud to have him on the show. Thank you. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne Bryant. Say hello to everybody. You're live. Craig and Adrian, good to be with you. I, I love the great state of Texas. It's a great tennis state. A lot of great coaches. A lot of great players. A lot of great universities. Mike and Bob and I spent a lot of time in that that beautiful state, and uh, it's good to talk to you. I see Craig a lot through the years, and this is my first time, I think, with Adrian, so he's going to have to sort of pass the audition as far as I'm concerned, but Craig will be solid. Well, thanks, buddy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. In your honor, those who are watching on Facebook Live get to see me in a tie, suit and tie. I am dressed up. Adrian, obviously, pretty sharp. I didn't get the memo. I just went with my Athenet podcast swag. That's your new shirt, right? That's all, yeah. I I didn't go with that because I knew Wayne was uh, the the legend that he is. So good. I wanted to make sure that uh, I looked the part uh, because, you know, we do have Wayne Bryan here at the the Net with us, you know. Pretty big deal. What what all can we say about Wayne? I, I don't know. You know, I think most people recognize. Yeah, he doesn't need much of an introduction, but let's let's tell the people at home a little bit. Tennis coach, uh, you've been coaching how long, Wayne, would you say? Woo! I was coaching, actually, when I was in eighth and ninth grade, you know. Uh, I was at a local park and got my friends going, so it seems like I've been doing it my whole life, actually. Yeah, you're a born coach, uh, author, you've... you've, uh, authored a really great book that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Mm, uh, I loved it. You know, you're a speaker. You, you do, how many speaking engagements do you do a year probably? Ooh, I've been on the, uh, the road many years, uh, 180, 190, 200 days, you know. I'm trying to slow down a little bit. I've got three beautiful grandkids and Mike and Bob will re- be retiring at the U.S. Open this year. So I'd like to slow down a little bit and spend a little time at home, you know. Yeah, Love uh, it. Imagine, plus uh, directing traffic at the Cabardillo Racket Club. You know, you probably have enjoyed that as well, right? Yeah. What's Cabardillo <laughs> like? What's the What's the club like? Well, I left the club in in '98, uh-huh. and now Mike and Bob work out at a nearby a club that's a little closer to them called the Spanish Hills Country Club here in uh, Camarillo. They just played in Colombia last night for crying out loud, nine thousand feet. 
they, they said it was really tough to breathe and actually to sleep. I can imagine. And uh, they're glad to get back to Miami to sea level, but uh, they have a kind of a busy off season. They were in Mexico City playing with the veterans there of their forty-two thousand people there a couple of weeks ago, and then they'll be playing the same guys in uh, in China. In, uh, in later December, so it, it, it's been a busy off season for them and for me. Is it that called an off season? Is it really an off season? <laughs> there really isn't an off season. You know, my wife has always said that she's a tennis pro. She yeah. really feels they should shut down the season right after the U.S. Open. I mean, let's keep it to nine months. I think we'd have healthier players, and I think it's good for the fans to get away from it a little bit. I mean, but tennis, as you know, goes right into early December, and we think that season's too long. Every other sport is five months, six months, seven months max. Yeah. It, it, it's healthy for the players to, to get away from it physically and emotionally and mentally, and I think it's good for the fans to get away from it and then come back really strong, but I think I think an 11-month season is just too damn long, but uh, I've been saying that for years, but I don't think it'll ever happen. So, quick question here, just the thought process here: Who's the family champ? Are, are you are you still hold the title? Um, you know, actually, I'm probably. I mean, I'm in three Hall of Fames. I'm, I played number one on my college team, and I'm. A, I mean, I'm a pretty darn good player. I played a little tour tennis, yeah. but I'm the worst player in the family. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, my wife, you know, Kathy, was, uh, yeah, Kathy uh, beats you. Yeah, huh? she was like ten or eleven in the U.S. She was probably top thirty-two in the yeah. world, and of course. The boys are the best doubles team of all time. So, you know, I, I, I yeah, I'm probably the worst player in the family. So, so let, let me ask you. Let me ask a follow up then. When did the boys wrestle away the title from dad? When, when were how old were they? You know, that's funny. Uh, we people always say, when did the boys start beating you? And you know, I, I'm a big believer. I wrote about this in the book. I don't think you should go beat your children in ping pong or chess or monopoly or whatever you do. I mean, why do you need to win? You know, yeah. it just shows it can really be gracious if you show them how to lose. So I always lost to them when they were eight, nine, ten. I made it look as good as possible, but it always made them feel great. And why do I need to beat an eight-year-old son? And then, you know, they were beaten when they were 12 or 13 or 14. One day when the Kathy came in, they're about 14 or 15. She says, how you doing with the boys? I said, well, you know, as always, I'm letting them win. And she says, I don't think you're letting them win anymore. I <laughs> we never really know uh, when that time was, you know. Yeah. Wayne, was that part of your side door motivation to nurture those champs? Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in, in you know, it, it, it's great if you can go out and compete with your kids, but don't beat them. You know, mm. a lot of dads say, oh, I want to crush them and show them how it really is. And I don't think so. I, I think let them win, but make it look close and you know, be really gracious. I'm, I'm a big believer in an early start, uh, be it tennis or, or golf or, or yeah. music. I'm a big believer in an early start with music, uh, skiing, rodeo. If you look at everybody's bio who becomes a superstar in any sport, you, you see they were they got going at three, four, five. And it's the same with musicians or dancers as well. I'm a big believer in an early start, and I'm a big believer in it's got to be fun each and every day and stimulating. you got to know what their attention span is and do less. If they have a five-minute attention span, just do four minutes. Yeah. If it's an hour, do 55 minutes, you know. And, the, and uh, it leaves them wanting even more. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Mike and Bob, every single day of their life, said, let me hit a few more. Let me go just a little longer. And we said, no, that's it, 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going home. I think that's a huge key. Don't overdo. Get, it, get in what you need to get in, 
but you, you got to make it uh, you got to make it fun and stimulating and I think you also got to make it competitive I, I like uh, competition and practice uh, I like you know little games and all kind of stuff uh, I mean I was down in the British Virgin Islands and we're doing that every day with the campers and I think uh, without competition you know you, you, you're really depriving kids and adults of, of, what, of the real joy uh, the more you can create exciting games in your practice the better players you're going to have the greatest players I had in my program I'm, the kids that would go on to play D1 college tennis or even pro tennis were the kids that liked to compete each and every day you know yep. um, so that's a, that's a huge key I think does, so let me let me peel back just for a second. Let's let's yeah. talk about who Wayne Bryan is. So yeah. how'd you get your start in tennis? Was it your mom, your dad, your that's sister, grandmother? That's a very interesting question. I uh, my dad and mom were you know pretty good players. My dad was a baseball player in college. He was a good athlete. Had a big serve. And so we would go out when I was you know eight, nine, or ten. Play at the local park. It was about a block and a half away. And we'd go out there every Sunday morning. And then we'd, you know, go back, shower up, and go to church. We'd go out there around 8. And he'd always beat me pretty easy. And i, I got to be honest, I didn't really like going to church. Um, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean that from an anti-religious thing. I just didn't like to go to church, you know. I'd rather play sports or music or whatever I was doing. But anyway, when I was about 11 or 12, I started to be able to, go three sets with my dad, kind of like with Mike and Bob, you know, you never did. And then the longer I could keep him out, he was competitive as hell. Sometimes we would keep playing and we'd play through church. So even when I could beat him, I would keep him out there so that we didn't have to go, because he would never walk off the court till we finished. So really, I got into tennis uh, to avoid religion and now tennis is my religion right, right. <laughs> the other thing that really got me started and I, I, I talk about it in the book I, I'm a big believer that champions take it into their eyes and not their ears most parents and coaches think you've got to blabber like crazy yeah. teaching kids music or whatever you're working with them on tennis, golf, whatever blah 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 the greatest coaches I know don't talk too much you know, but when they say something, it's gold. But anyway, I'm a big believer in taking it to their eyes. Anyway, when I was about 10, my dad was a vice president of Western Airlines. Mm-hmm. And he came in one night and said, hey, Wayne and Carl, I got free tickets to the Adler Sox Invitational. It's a $2,500 tournament at the LA Test Club. I mean, 2500 Can you imagine that? That's big money. Big money back Alex then. Alex yeah. and Rod Laver and Emerson and all the greats, Lou Hogue, Pancho Gonzalez. I said, look, I'm a baseball and football player. I don't want to go to some tennis match. He said, no. Nah. And my dad was a little bit on the tight side. He said, look, we got free tickets. We're going. Yeah, we're doing it. So we said, you put your clothes on. Let's go. So let's we go. showered up and went down. I was about 10 years old. Uh-huh. So we walked in this beautiful old wooden stadium. It was a lot like River Oaks, you know, the green yeah. wood and uh, beautiful stadium. We walk in, and of course, we had great tickets in the front row. So we walk in about 7 o'clock, and right in front of me, was this Inca god with an amazing tan, great-looking guy with an alpaca sweater with little purple stripes. It was an unbelievable outfit, a beautiful athlete, and he hit a forehand volley right in front of my face at the net, warming up, and it was just thwack. 
the most beautiful sound. He's an incredible athlete. And I've been on a tennis court every single day since I saw Alex Olmeda play. Olmeda. Oh, oh, you know, you, yeah, when you said Inca God, I said it, it's probably Olmeda. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. I got to know him later in life. He's just a most personable, great guy. Well, what a beautiful athlete. Wimbledon champ out of Chile. Somehow we got him to play on our, mate, our Davis Cup team. I don't know how. But anyway, to, to, to show you the full circle of the Alex Almeida story, I guess about 10, 12 years ago, we're doing an inter-island clinic for a bunch of Hawaiian kids on Maui. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess about 200 kids running around. We had about 12 courts and some local pros were helping. Mike and Bob and I were having a blast out there with the kids and we finished up with the the games we always finish up with on the center court, all the kids were together. There's one little eight-year-old that was running around. I was really impressed with him. Always at every clinic I've done, I'm always seeing some crazy, talented kids. You know, I saw the Williams sisters when they were six and eight at UCLA, and got to know them then, and got to do. Anyway, this is little eight-year-old boy out of the 200 that really impressed me. He was really talented. He was really passionate. So I said on the mic at the end, as I often do, who's the mom of this little guy over here? Hey, would you come down after that? Anyway, uh, the mom comes down, really attractive uh, young lady. And said, yeah, that's my son. I said, well, I just got to tell you, this kid is really talented, and I hope you'll do all you can to you know, keep him going because I think this kid could play some pretty big tennis in his day, maybe even pro tennis. He said, well, that's really nice of you because he's really been inspired uh, by the Bryan brothers. Ooh. And I said, oh, that's very nice. And he says, by the way, his, his granddad plays. And I said, well, who's his granddad? Alex Omeda. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, so talk about a poetic circle. What a there nice was. little circle. Alex inspired me and the boys inspired uh Oh, uh, I, I really had tears coming down. So it was kind of like a twilight zone thing. It just almost knocked me out of my off, you know, out of my shoes when I heard that. Anyway, I got a lot of stories like that. Interesting. That's an emotional moment. That's really cool. Really Thanks for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. So, so you went on after this and played at uh, Santa Barbara. Played yeah, for the yeah, Gauchos. Gauchos. GSB. Yeah, I had a great time. I played a lot of football and basketball in high school and, and, and baseball, but in college I just really did the tennis only and uh, had a wonderful time there. Um, and then a few years ago I was actually inducted into the University of California Santa Barbara Hall of Fame, which I was very proud of. We had a big fundraiser that night, and Marty Davis is the coach now, former tour player, yeah. really doing a great job, and, and Blake Muller's assistant, and he was uh, at Stanford as well. So I still do a lot with the university and uh, fundraising, and we get a lot of the, their players up to work out with Mike and Bob when they're in town. So okay. I still have a great connection with UCSB. So were you? did you grow up from around the Santa Barbara area? Is that uh, No, I, I, I was in Miami until I was 10, and then I grew up in Hawthorne, oh. uh, California, which yeah, is so about a couple hours from Santa Barbara. Yeah. And now I kind of live near Santa Barbara in Camarillo. Mm-hmm. What got you to Santa Barbara? I'm just curious. I'm sure you, that you probably had some other offers. Why did you pick Santa well, Barbara? I, I was really torn between SC, UCLA, and Santa Barbara. I I thought at my level, I would it would be tight for me to play at SCU. It would be a risk. You know, I always wondered if I had gone there. But I knew I could play for UCSB, and they offered mm-hmm. me a full ride. Sure. And yeah. uh, then my freshman year at 
Santa Barbara, we played UCLA. I played a guy named Steve Tidball, the number one player there. They had frosh teams in those days. And I had a match point that got away. Mm-hmm. So I thought, God, I, I think I could have actually played at UCLA. But I was so glad I went to Santa Barbara. I had yeah. so many lifelong friends I met there. And uh, I, I excelled there, and I couldn't have been happier. So, so moving on after after uh, Santa Barbara, played a little pro tennis. How'd you meet Kathy? Where, where, where did she come around? That's a funny story, too. Um, I... I was a club pro, and, and they were opening a big uh, resort up at a place called Bear Valley Springs. They had a lot of athletes there and actors and singers and so forth. And I was kind of emceeing the tennis part of it. And playing in the exhibition was Tony Traber, who you'll recall. And he was playing Bobby Riggs and with two girls, Julie Anthony, who was a tour player, my my wife now, Kathy Blake. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just after Bobby had beaten Margaret Court. Mm-hmm. So we had a great crowd out there that day, and we watched the match, and I, I just thought this, uh, Kathy Blake was as cute as a button. So after the exhibition, I said, do you want to hit a couple, which she thought was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then that night, about 7 o'clock, I, they were having a big party for all the celebs and players and so forth. And I noticed she wasn't at the party, so I went back and called, and Julie answered the phone. That was a little awkward. I said, uh, can I speak to uh, Kathy? And she said, well, she's asleep. Oh. <laughs> so somehow, um, you know, we got together after that. But you know what's funny? Is we actually got married three weeks later. Three wow. three weeks? A yes, very literally. quick. And we're, and we're still together, and it's been a, it's been a great union, and... Uh, We've had a lot of fun. Couldn't be happier. I got a great, great gal, terrific player, and great coach, and just a. We'd have so much fun together through the years, and she's a great mom to Mike and Bob as well. So, your father-in-law did did he like Kathy? Aren't you kind of going a little fast with this guy, this young fellow? Well, isn't that crazy? I mean, yeah. I mean, if Three one weeks. of the boys did that, I, I didn't think about get their head examined. But you know, it just really worked. We just had the best time together, and. Um, you know, one day we're, uh, you know, having breakfast up and we just shook hands and said we're married. Mm-hmm. And then we formalized it later. Yeah. And uh, then we had a big party at the club and we're still going strong. Still going strong. After how many yeah. years now? That's a shout I out. I think about two years. No, I, I, I guess <laughs> if you're going to put me on the spot. It's got to be 40 something. Right? anniversary. Yeah. Uh, I would say we have been married a good 40 years. Golly, and, and been around each other for quite a, quite a few years after that, too. Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it's, it's a really good, uh, yeah. you, you had a, a good good eye for talent and <laughs> uh, on, off, on and off the court, so to speak. You know, she was also really involved in the, in the philosophy we've dealt, you know, we have for coaching and teaching and parenting, and she was also involved in the book. I mean, I wrote it, and then she, uh, you know, made her contributions after uh, she said she'd read it over for like a week or two, and then we'd submit it to the publisher. But we battled over every sentence for over one year. That was the only uh, actually strife we've ever had in our marriage, just battling over uh, each and every sentence. Wayne, you know? were those battles um, uh, uh, in terms of content, or were they pertaining to uh, to style and, and the grammar? She, she's an English writer, so some oh, was style, I knew it. <laughs> and some was content. Yeah. Oh, it really was some content. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we actually. What did you major? What was your major at Santa Barbara? I think it made the book actually stronger. Oh, so good. What was your yeah. major at Santa Barbara? What did you major in? 
Mm-hmm. I was actually a history major and a poli sci major. History, oh, there we go. Hey, there we go. That's, history like you. Th- that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love history. I just love it. And then I, I actually went to law school and, and, and passed the bar. And as I was finished, as just after I finished law school, there was a club starting in Camarillo, and they'd seen me do well at Ojai, a, a tournament, a college oh, tournament. So too, they said, well, yeah. come and be the pro. And I said, well, I'm going to be taking the bar, and I'm going to be a lawyer. And they said, well, just come and be a pro for the first year. And then when you pass the bar, you can then go. We'd really like to have you for your first year. So I, I said, okay. And then I passed the you know, bar, and I said, well, I'll just stay on one more year. And then I'm going to, and 26 years later, I was still there. <laughs> 26. So what was your special in history, just out of curiosity? I, I know my favorite period. What's your favorite? I, I actually I actually love the Civil War. Oh, there I we go. Hey, there we go. Why do I like Wayne? World War Two. Yeah, uh, World War II. To this yeah. day, the way I go to sleep every night is I listen to history lectures, and I'll get into one phase of history uh-huh. for like a month. Like I, I was really fascinated by the Eastern Front in World War Two because we think it all was in Normandy and all yeah. that, but uh-huh. really there was way more action on the Eastern Front. I hate, I'm sad to say there was millions upon millions killed on the Russian-German front. You oh, know, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also fascinated lately by the Battle of Midway. Yeah. It was unbelievable heroism, and it was also unbelievable luck. I'm fascinated by the Doolittle Raid, unbelievable heroism, uh, Pearl Harbor, uh, you know, I just, so much of history, I just love, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, no, I want to go back and ask Lee why he did Pickett's Charge. I, I, I want to go, come on, come on, Robert. Mm-hmm. You, you, why did you do that? You know, it's, just, it's such a. You talk about you talk about Gettysburg. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I've I, I'm a civil war. Gettysburg three times. You've been to, oh really? I mean, yeah, but the thing is, he had been so successful yes. so many times. He was winning. It, he yeah. was winning, but he didn't know how how many soldiers they had over there. I know. And unfortunately, that artillery barrage just didn't do a damn thing. It was over. There was so much smoke. All mm. the shells were going over the top. And Chamberlain, who had just defended Little Rampa, had all his men in reserve. They were all sleeping. And they were really pivotal on that pick, picket's charge. But it's a yeah. fascinating, almost a Shakespearean battle. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I love uh, reading about that. I've yep. studied it so much. I, uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about that more yeah, later because yeah, we'll, I, I, I yeah. didn't realize a fellow Civil War historian uh, here. We yeah, can all dark out I about that one, one, <laughs> another evening. Okay, so anyway, after, after you know, uh, the, uh, the club, you get married, you have kids, and, and uh, you know, tell us a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we, we've you know, looked at your book. We've read it. I mean, I mean, it's, what a great book. Yeah. We'll, we'll show it to everybody on Facebook Live right here if you oh, want it. Thank you. An easy read. I mean, it's fascinating. Raising your child to be a champion in athletics, arts, and academics. Not just athletics. You know, the, yeah, you know, the thing about that book is an easy read. Yeah. And, 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 and readers find themselves nodding their heads in agreement. But very few people can do it, you know, because I, I, I literally say some really radical things like the day your child is born, you should take the television out of your house. And some people have three televisions, take them all out. You know, and that's a really radical thing to do that only about one in 10,000 of my readers can actually do that. I'm also very against video games. I, I don't tolerate, I mean, the boys never, we never had a video game in the house, although there's a story about that. I don't know how much time you have. I'm very anti-video game because I think it just wastes 
kids' lives. You only have them under roof for 18 short years. Quick. And it goes it goes by like a rocket ship. I mean, Mike and Bob went to high school on a Monday. They graduated on Tuesday. They went to Stanford on Wednesday and turned pro on Thursday. That's how fast it actually seemed. I think there's so many studies, not original research by me, that are so negative on video games. And may I say, I have a theory. I'm not some weird uh, person. What do they call it? I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. Your, your, your hat is made of polyester, not tinfoil? Exactly. Yeah. But I do think <laughs> that, um, you know, look, I'm an old guy. Nobody shot up schools in our day. Mm, it's never right. happened. Yeah. Uh, ever. Did yeah. somebody shoot somebody with guns somewhere sometime? Sure. But not this thing. And I really think there's a book called The Outliers that says to be a champion, you need 10,000 hours. Malcolm Mike Gladwell and I and my wife, we think it's 30,000 hours. But there's kids that play violent video games. Yep. 10,000 hours, 15,000 hours, 20, 30,000 hours. Look, if Craig and Adrian Wayne play violent video games, we're not going to go shoot up a school. But what if you do it for 30,000 hours? And what if you are slightly deranged or you're abused by your dad or mom or bullied at school or you have some kind of additional problem? It's not that big a leap. And look, all the my studies show the kids that shoot up video games play play violent video games. You got a real gun in your hand. You're shooting continuously. The people scream. The blood flies, and they look just like people. It's desensitizing. Right. And I, agree. I don't want to get off on a rabbit hole here, but I don't like it anyway. How does that apply to Mike and Bob with video games? I, we said we got no TV guys when they're eight, nine, ten. We got we're not going to have video games. Uh, you guys got all these goals and dreams that we ask them to write their goals when they're six, seven, and eight. They want to win the Olympics. They want to win all the Grand Slams. They want to be number one in the world. They want to get a full ride to Stanford. They want to be on the ugly freelance on the on the you know all the clothes. Blah blah. They have these big dreams on the refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, they were number one in the nation in the tens and so forth and so on. Back when it was really competitive early so they were grinding us about every kid in school is a video game where the only kids we feel so weird we don't have video grinding <laughs> grinding grinding and what they would do is they would isolate my wife and say mom please we've got a video we you know just grinding the hell out of her day after day and she said Wayne they're killing me we got to put a stop this. I got a plan. I said, what is the plan? She said, well, I'm going to put a huge calendar on the refrigerator with little squares. And if the boys can go one year making their bed every day, taking a shower every day, taking out the trash once a week, we'll sign off on each square. If they can go 365 days, We'll tell them we'll get a video. You know they can't take a shower every day. They've never done that. They're 10 years old. They take a shower, you know, lucky every third or fourth day. And, you know, they've never made their bed once. They can't do it. They might go a week. they got to make it. But that'll get us, get them off my back. I said, I don't like the idea. Said, don't worry. There's no way. We're not losing. There's no way. Days. So that was like the Nazis taking over Europe. You've seen those black maps, how the Nazis kept spreading. Yeah, the way, the way this thing got filled up. They'd be whistling and laughing. You know, we'd go in, and you got to shampoo your hair. You got to do, and the bed's got to be perfect. 
and they were laughing at us and signing off every day. Make a long story short, suddenly it's December 31st. <laughs> and Kathy goes, oh, my God, they have done it. Every day has been signed off by you and I. And I said, well, I don't give a damn. We're not getting video games. She said, Wayne, my God, we can't be dishonest with the boys. We've promised them we've got to get them a video game. I said, I'm not doing it. So we got to do it. She said, don't worry. I got another plan. I said, oh, great. What is this plan? She said, well, they'll only be able to play one hour a week, Friday night from 7 to 8. And I said, I don't like it. I don't want to. She said, we've <laughs> got to get the video game. So she goes down to the store, gets an Atari. And this is back in the day now. Sure, yeah. 146 bucks. I'll never forget it. There's like a million dollars to us now. <laughs> 146 bucks. And three games, Frogger, Space Invaders, and uh, uh, Pac-Man. They were five bucks yeah. a piece, which is a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm just burning, you know. She said, don't worry. Friday, 7 to 8. So anyway... We have our workouts Monday through Friday from 2 to 6. So we're out there Monday at 5.30. Mike comes up. We got 85 kids, six pros. We got a hell of a program on 17 courts. We're rolling. A lot of great players. Mike pulls on my sleeve. He said, Dad, jeez, we got so much homework. Me and Bob and Petey Webb, we're going to have to leave yeah. the clinic a half an hour early. We're going to go and study, and Mrs. Webb will take us. I said, she's okay. I, you know how I feel about your academics. Go ahead. Make a long story short. This happens Tuesday. It happens Wednesday. Thursday, Bob comes. Dad, she's at homework. Unbelievable. We've got to go to the house. we got to study. I said, all right. Then on Friday, they do it again. Look, I'm not too smart. But I said, uh-oh. Four in a row. And I said, 5.30. So I said, Kathy, uh, come over here. We're going to leave right after the boys leave. So I tell the other coaches, finish up the class at 6. I'll see everybody at the tournament on Saturday morning. So we get in our car, and we go home, and we get home about 5.50, pull up in the driveway. Mrs. Webb's out in the car reading. We look inside, and what are the boys doing with Petey Webb? <laughs> they're are playing they on the Atari. They're playing Frogger. No, they're playing video. <laughs> and I went, I my head crashed into the top of my car. I was so mad i was burning and kathy grabbed i opened the door i was gonna kill them all i was gonna kill them all <laughs> kathy grabbed me around here i says wayne you're a motivational speaker to calm down and just talk to the boys tomorrow morning you, you can't just blow like that you're yeah. gonna go i said okay and i walk in and they see me they just all turn white Petey, get out of here. Go with your mom. Mike and Bob, you, get, you tell me you're studying. Get to the table. Start studying. Family meeting tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. So whenever we have some big issue, doesn't happen very often, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, maybe once every three or four years, we go in the living room. We each have our set chair that we sit in. Each person gets about a one- to two-minute presentation. We vote. If it's too all, we get the parents' rule, you know. Most things were too long. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I stayed up all night. I must have filled up 46 pages yellow legal pad. Well, you were a lawyer. You were a lawyer. I can write and I can rap and I can persuade. So, so, But I know one thing. When you're working with kids, you got 20 to 30 seconds. Then that's it. They're, they're, you're tuned out. You know, I'm a big believer in minimalist uh, persuasion with kids. Yeah, that's, that's one of your chapters about yeah, how exactly. less so, is more. 
the last five. I, I believe that. So yeah. anyway, I wrote 46 pages. I can't use it. Uh, it's just like Neil Diamond wrote that song, same thing. He wrote about 50 pages and he has 18 words. I am, I said. It's a great song, very short. Anyway, so what I did, we're all sitting down. I said, guys, I've never seen you in my life want to leave uh, a workout early. What do you say every day? We want to hit more. More balls. Just a few more balls. And for the first time in my life, I saw you guys leave a court half hour early. I've never seen it. And that's okay. Uh, you don't have to be, you don't have to reach all these goals. And I had taken off their goals from their refrigerator and I held them up to them. I said, uh, you want to win the Olympics? You want to win the gold medal? You want to be oh, number one in the world? You want to win every grand slam? You want to get a full ride to Stanford, etc. You want to be number one in the nation in every age group every year, which they were eventually. Um, but you left the court early to play video games. Video games have overridden your passion for tennis and music and academics, which is your big three things that you love. You love school, you love tennis, you love music. So I'm going to take these goals. And I didn't, I wasn't really, I don't know if you can achieve them anyway. It's, these are really lofty goals. I mean, if you achieve these goals, you're going to be the greatest team of all time. And I wadded up the goals and I threw them over to him. And I said, I don't give a damn if you play video every day. But you can't have these goals. You can't out have these goals because it won't work. And, and again, if you want to play, if you want to play video, go ahead. And uh, you will not. You won't play in college. You won't. All these things won't happen. But that's your decision. That's a defining moment. This is a defining yeah, moment. It was, it was big. Watershed. So I'm crying. Kathy's crying. I look over Mike and Bob, and they're sobbing too. And they look over at each other as they often do on the court and everywhere. And they said, "They look back and they were crazy." Well, what do you want to do? And I said, "Well, I want to take that damn video. I want to rip it out of the wall. I want to throw it down the bracket." And they were crying, and we're all crying. They said, "Okay." So I went into the. And by the way, I should have. So, you know, taking it back to the store, we could have got 146. That's right. I said they're going away. Like, it was like about 200,000 to us at the time, um, and so I went. But I, I wanted to make it, you know, I wanted to make it dramatic. Yes. So I went and I ripped it out of the wall. There was green wire and yellow and blue, and I got the wires. I got the little games. I got the little, you know thing you use with your hand. What is that called? The Joystick, uh, cartridge. Yeah, the whole thing. So I'm walking across. I have a really big backyard. Walk across and I walk down the stairs. We got three acres down below. Walk across that. And there's a huge, what we call in California, a branca, which is just a canyon. Yeah, okay. So I took it like a discus and I hurled that thing as far and as high as I could and the wires were flying around. Were they right there with you? This is the pre-environmental era. I wouldn't do that now because I don't want to. But anyway, that thing went and then bam and there it was and they never played video game and then they they reached every goal they ever set. 
I, I took the thing and I flattened it back out and taped it back up on the refrigerator. And I still have it. And they've achieved every goal that they have ever written in their life. They've re- achieved every goal that they set at the beginning of every year. I've achieved every goal that I have ever set for myself. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in goal setting, of course. So that's another thing. But anyway, that's the video game story. But they've become not only pretty damn good tennis players and they got a full ride to Stanford academically and so forth not only the tennis but they're also professional musicians I mean they're really great players yeah astonishing band I love that song autograph that's that's my favorite of theirs isn't that a funny song I love let it rip and and they're uh, chasing the sun sun. and they wrote all those songs and they performed that that's them playing all the instruments Wayne uh, first of all that story was brilliant and cheers to that the process you went through, um, I have a feeling, a good feeling, that that uncrumpled, flattened piece of paper, if you're willing to uh, part with it, it's going to be in Newport at the Hall of Fame one day, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have that. So Good, I'm glad you I, kept I, I that, think, man. I think, you know, in America, you can achieve anything you want, you know, uh, sports-wise, business-wise, yeah. any-wise. Greatest you know? country in the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's incumbent upon the USTA to not, you know, get in people's way and and, and put minefields out there. And, you know, um, gosh, I, I, I had some news today where we got a local tournament coming up and quite a few kids couldn't get in the tins. They have a really small tin straw because they haven't met all these fluffy ball requirements, you know. Mm. It just drives me insane to put uh, barriers to kids playing a 10 and under trip, but I don't want to get in that rabbit hole. I know that's another rabbit hole. I, I like the one you went down, and um, let's switch gears over to, uh, you know, you're not just a, a brilliant dad and a coach. You're now a wonderful granddad. It's three grandchildren, right? Bob has three, and we're just really delighted that Mike is having his first child mm-hmm. in April. He's just thrilled about it, and, uh, and so are we. So the question we wanted to ask is what sort of parents – are your boys about to be? I realize it's a different world, but they were raised without the video games for the most part and without TV early on. How do you think they'll do it? Will they be like you? Will they be like Bill Gates, who, like many tech giants, know iPads, even though uh, that's yeah. sort of Microsoft part of his, yeah, 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 or tablets or whatever. So what's your yeah, thought on that? That's a really interesting question because actually... Bob's three children do play. They have like uh, iPhones, you know, and they do uh, play some video games. But you know, we've had some discussions about it. I was going to say, let's go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah, but but what's interesting about it is um, they they, they are the kids really are musical. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Playing tennis. I mean, we. Bob's daughter is seven years old, and she just she's appeared with her band about four or five times. We had this big event for at Jack Nicholas's house, and Uh she appeared uh, Monday before last with the band, and just wowed everybody singing "Stand by Me," playing bass with her left hand on the keyboard, piano, and singing. So she's now, I think, really getting deep in the music, and now that that little uh, iPhone's kind of going away. so that you know, that's good. They're they're you know, not as stringent as we were about it, uh, but but the night is still young. You know, we'll 
it's still, I, yeah. I got a feeling there's going to be less and less of it. I wonder. Uh, I, I hope. Yeah. I hope Bob doesn't have to shoot that thing like a discus down into the <laughs> canyon. A lot of people don't believe the story. I've had three reporters, and it's not easy getting down these branches, but they wallowed their way down, and they actually found it. Now I'm pretty sure it's it's just evaporated. Yeah. But you know, they did a 60 minutes story on the boys. Uh, and Leslie Stahl Stahl, told the story. It's like over 25. She doesn't believe the story because her kids are all video freaks. Uh And uh, she just kept thinking, you know, this is not... And I said, no, they didn't do it. And uh, and I also said, in in my high school, we had a thing called uh, Last Will and Testament when you're senior. So I said, I'm my son will be the number one player in the world and I'll be living in San Francisco. Well, I'm living halfway up the coast. <laughs> and I, if I'd have known I was going to have twin boys, I would have said they're going to be the number one doubles team in the world, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was sort of like a, I just had such passion for the sport. Yeah. I was and sure they were going to. The key is you can't, you can't give them the goal yourself. You have to set a beautiful table. If the, if the food looks good, smells good, tastes good. Uh, even if you're full, you're going to eat. But even and if you're starving, if the food looks bad, smells bad, and tastes bad, you're not going to eat. See, it's how you set the table. We set a beautiful table for tennis. Right. We set a beautiful table for music in so, so many ways. And and, and would you... Uh, would you, you, know, con- it, you know? Would you consider that table some of the side door motivation that you set up for the boys? Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. I mean... Uh, why wouldn't you want to play tennis if when you're nine years old you go to a Davis Cup match yeah. and you sit there in the front row? Why wouldn't you want to play college tennis if you've seen over 200 SC, UCLA, Pepperdine, Stanford, yeah. and UCSB matches? Yeah, you take an eight-year-old kid to see a college match, yeah. they're going to want to do it. I mean, look, if the USTA wants to do something, take kids to college matches. Take them to pro matches. Our goal is for the last ten years has been to take three to four hundred kids to Indian Wells every year. Yeah, it's take three to four hundred kids to Davis, and we do through our foundation. We take oh. them to those wonderful events. Yeah. We have clinics in the morning. We have a talent show on Friday night. We have a tiebreaker doubles show, and we, they watch the matches. You know, yeah. if kids can't afford it, we pay for it. So, so. And uh, you know, it's it's so powerful when the kids see it, and then we'd have. Lots of other great juniors from across the nation come and stay with us. We have all kind of pros visiting all the time and Housing, college yeah. teams playing at our club, high school teams playing. Every way we could stimulate tennis, we did. We had all kind of crazy events that were a blast. We had unbelievable workouts every day for for four hours. We played really fun, competitive group games. If you lost, you had to run up this hill we call Mount Vesuvius, and if you won, you know, you might get an oatmeal raisin cookie, a t-shirt, but everything was competitive each and every day. And pointing toward uh, working harder and enjoying the success, yeah. Exactly, plus, we helped the kids make their schedule. We believe, if you want to be a player, you play a tournament every weekend. Right. If you play baseball or basketball, football or swing, they give you a schedule, and you play it. You might have two baseball games a week, or one football game, or two basketball. With tennis, too many parents are just, where do I I go, what? You know, you gotta help them make the schedule. It's very simple. 
you want to be a player, you play every weekend. Yeah. You got team tennis on Monday, and if you don't want to be a player, that's fine too. You can just hit balls, and but we believe in playing every weekend. Wayne, that's beautiful. Hey, um, this wasn't on our original run sheet, but I want to do yeah. your musician. I want to do a bit of a mashup of two you things have that 20 we. Questions. You're only going to be able to ask me three, and I keep talking. Ah, you're, yeah, <laughs> you're too much. Yeah, yeah. every year, and I, I've interviewed all kind of people from Billy Jean to Chris Everett to you name it. I've yeah. interviewed them, and uh, I, there's two people that in the show. I, I can usually get into twenty to thirty questions, but like. When I ever I interview Billie Jean, no, she's... I ask her one question, and then I sit down, and she doesn't stop talking. You know the other, the other person like that? Nick Boletieri. Uh, Nick... One question, and sit down. Nick and Billie Jean, <laughs> but you're, I think you are quickly progressing to that level. Would you say, CB? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, I, the mashup I wanted to do um, yeah. was, uh, you know, we've been talking about tennis. We've talked a little bit about video games. What yeah. do you think of the... Uh, absolutely meteoric success of esports, not just all the uh, the, the shoot 'em up games, but something like esports version of tennis. And I know uh, the French Open, Roland Garros themselves did a, a championships at Roland Garros, and the U.S. qualifying were in your or near your city, Los Angeles, California, at the Swiss Hotel back in the spring. Tell us your thoughts on the success well, and Craig. Hey, yeah, I, I agree that I mean I, I'd be stupid to say it's not popular. I'd be stupid to say that the video game industry is actually, they make more money than the car industry, the alcohol industry. Damn near any, look at what you see on television most these days, yeah. video game ads. Look, I couldn't be more against it. I mean, what's better, playing video tennis or, or playing tennis? No comparison to me. Real tennis, and, yeah. and what And what about this thing called... Uh, What's that music game, Guitar King or something? Where you guitar Hero, it? I think. Guitar, guitar Hero. So you play a video guitar. How ridiculous. You know the great Keith Urban? He's a country guy. I don't yeah. He's a country yeah. guy. Nashville, he's an right? unbelievable guitar player. I love his music. Heard him many times. Every show he gives, he gives away guitars, real ones, you know, because he wants the kids to play. I mean, I can't tell you that music is a million times better than guitar hero i gotta tell you though wayne tennis is a billion times better than any video tennis you could ever play i gotta tell um, you though that, that fake plastic guitar that goes with guitar hero uh, that uh, would be really fun to throw down the barranca <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure now, that's definitely what i would do hey look uh I, I i just you know what what's the best hobby that i have these days Besides the grandkids and working with Mike and Bob all the time and mm. doing our charity work in tennis and uh, my biggest hobby is I two and a half years ago at, at Indian Wells we took three hundred kids from six states for five days of tennis you know the, the matches the clinics in the morning time right. double doubles every afternoon and then we have what, what a talent show on Friday night we get about twenty acts kids playing piano or guitar singing dancing telling jokes awesome. whatever. So these five little cute little girls got up. They were adorable, and they were lip syncing. I hate lip syncing. You know, it's like a video game. You know, it's not. Where's the talent when you're lip syncing? You know, yeah. these five cute little girls were playing air guitar and singing along to some song. Not singing, but I mean mouthing. Mouthing, yeah, words. yeah. And then I find out these five girls are from my community, Camarillo. Oh, your town. And then I find out, and I don't know these girls are mad. I I find out these five little girls 
are the daughters of two of the girls that grew up in our program that I, that I coached and my wife coached. As junior tennis players. Both played, one played at Pepperdine, one played at Fresno State. The moms were tremendous junior players and college players. So I, I said, I, t- I texted him. I said, Val and Julie, geez, I said, these girls are adorable. What are they doing lip syncing in the talent show? Made me sick. I said, do they want to get after it and, and really learn to play instruments and really sing? Are they just fluffing around? And then I, the next morning, around seven o'clock, I got a, a, vid, a, a text back, and it was the five girls on a, with a video clip. They go, "Yes!" So I said, "Okay, yes." I get home. I'm going to come over. Yes. And so I go over to their house, and there was a set of twins and a sister, and then two other sisters, five total girls. They were aged 10, 11, and twelve. Mm-hmm. So I, I had drums, piano, guitar. I had all the instruments. And I had each of them, you know, mess around with them for five minutes each. They couldn't play a thing. They couldn't sing. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. So I quickly determined who should be the drummer, who should be the piano player, who should be the lead guitar player, who should be the rhythm guitar player, and who should be the bass player. And I don't want to blow my own horn, but I was brilliant in what instrument I had for each person. These are the kind of things I know about, you know. You, you like cast, you cast I, it I right. And I know music. Anyway, <laughs> make a long story short. They are a phenomenal band now. You I did just it. Finished rehearsing with them. We did two hours of tennis, and we just did uh, two hours of music. I dashed here to do the show, but um, they are incredibly good. They've opened for the boys band a bunch of times. They played All in right. Vegas, Arizona, California, and they're on the verge of actually making some good money doing it now. And they're all tennis champions. One of the girls was 35-0 and 0 in our high school matches, won the league MVP as a sophomore. Uh, they're winning tournaments because what happened, I start working with the music, and they were all playing some tennis and playing some tournaments. The moms come to me and said, after a year, they said, Wayne, the girls are totally losing interest in tennis oh, because they're so infatuated with the music with the you. Music. And I said, oh, for God's sake, do they know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I said, I'm going to start working with her tennis and I get it balanced out. My wife said, whatever you do, don't ever work with the girls' tennis. I know how you are with the music. You, it's eating up all your spare time. If you do the tennis, you, I'm never going to see you again. Well, I just start sneaking out and work with the tennis. And now they're tennis fanatics and they're music fanatics, just like Mike and Bob. And I'm having the time of my life working with these five girls because I stopped doing local coaching. Yeah. I've been on the road for, geez, 22 years now doing my tour work. And all since, this since 98, so when I, you when you left Cabrillo, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I haven't really done local juniors. I mean, I give coaches advice mm-hmm. and I give, you know, people just, I say, here's what you need to do with this, you know, that kind of thing. But I can't really do reps, but I've just totally gotten into reps with these girls I'm having the time of my life they are so good now their instruments they're so good with uh, with their singing it's beautiful I mean it gives you chills uh, Tracy's at Austin's a big fan of theirs and okay. they are open for the boys and you know I got a lot of people that are really behind the aunts and uncles and grandparents one of the best instruments money can buy but it's I'm using all my old philosophy same old stuff that I always do from this book and it works Wayne you know, you're like a very powerful you're like a real life version of School of Rock and, and you're the tennis version yeah. of Jack Black in that yeah. movie exactly the boys have played music with uh, 
Jim Boges of the County Crows, and he gets some backstage passes. I mean, I have access to all kind of advantages, tennis-wise and music-wise, yeah, music and I'm too. using them. And uh, there's a, 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 it's really funny, there's a group called uh, Runaway June. Uh, Rolling Stone just reviewed 40 albums, and their albums ranked 14th. Well, that little girl was in that band, dated Bob, you know, quite a while ago and I got started started playing music and now she's had top 10 hits three big songs and she just wrote me the other day she said I really like to have the girls meet the girls I'm going to come and we'll see what we can do to help blah 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 anyway that's another rabbit hole but the philosophy is the same it's the same what's the name of that group just out of curiosity Runaway, Runaway June we're going to look Runaway that up June, yeah it, it's in fact that what the girl is is the granddaughter of John Wayne just a beautiful girl and she always you loved oh, no, listening so to music. I said, why don't you play music? And she got going, and now she's a star. And she just wrote me when I was down in the British Virgin Islands. She said, there's some friends of ours called Florida Georgia Line. Have you heard of these guys? Oh, yeah, I've heard She said, I was talking to the guys, and they said, you know, this MC, blah, 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 blah. I, I said, God, that's Wayne. He's the guy that started me in music. I'll tell you <laughs> another story. There's a guy named Kevin Anderson. He's been ranked as high as five or six in the world. Yeah, South Files of U.S. Open, Files of Wimbledon, yeah. recently. We played a world team tennis for him for three seasons. One night, we're coming back from a match. I said, you play music, Kevin? He said, no. He said, I, I love music. He said, but I, I have no dexterity in my hands to play guitar. He said, I tried and I can't do it. I said, Kevin, nobody can do it when they start. What are you talking about? Come up to my room. So I said, I'll show you an E chord. It took me about a half an hour to get his fingers on an E chord. Yeah. And I said, you go back to room and I'll work on it. He's a real methodical guy. Most tennis players are. He, really he comes is. back, he said, I can do the E chord now. It takes about a minute now, but I can do it in about a minute. So I said, here's an A chord. Make a long story short, he's at our Jack Nicholas event playing with the boys' band, just tearing up the guitar just last week he licks and he sends me all kind of videos of himself playing music and he's launched and rolling you know uh again anything is possible if you're passionate and you want to get after it i'm a big believer in passion first fun and then a hell of a lot of reps passion fun and reps you know can you can you tell me how to play the cowbell can you teach me how to do that you need need more cowbell but play, play piano, play guitar. You know, I spoke in Sacramento a few years ago. Uh-huh. There were 750 a Chamber of Commerce people in this big white tent. And I was talking about some of these topics. I said, let me ask you people, how many of you sitting here today, 750 of you, have ever taken piano lessons or maybe guitar or voice? Or How many hands went up? Pretty much everybody in the room. And I said, okay, great. It's wonderful. I mean, I'm encouraged. How many of you now play piano at least once a week mm. and enjoy the, playing the piano to this day? How many hands went up? Two or three. One. One. Oh, one. It just shows you. I mean, it just breaks down because people teach music by chromatic scales and, and circles of fifths and all this crap. Rather than letting people play a song that they like. Happy Passion. What's your favorite song, yeah. Adrian? Adrian, what's your favorite song? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Craig's favorite. She Sells Sanctuary. Yes, by the by cult. By the cult. There it is. By who? The cult. She Sells Sanctuary. It's, it's 30 years ago. Yeah, this is, this is I've never heard of it. But anyway, <laughs> God bless you. Why don't you learn to play this song? 
Yeah, right. You know? or, or or maybe you want to play a song for grandma. Maybe you want to look. Elvis went to a recording studio because he wanted to record a song for his mom's birthday. Yeah, the rest is history. That's correct. If you try to learn a song rather than learning music, and it's the same with tennis. Let the kids play. Learn, play first, and learn later. Kind of like in the backyard. Tennis. Oh, the kids coaching. He's not ready for a tournament. He, I, I, I want. He's got to do the two years. Then we'll let him play. So is that, is that like the kids are like in the, about, in, the in the backyard? Let them play. They just go you out know? and play backyard sports. Everybody just kind of figures it out, and then that's where the yeah, learning. Then, yeah. Then you then you double fault in the in the tournament. You well, maybe you want to take you know work on something. Yeah, you know, right. Because you're, you're you're playing. It's the same with. Um, inner city basketball these kids get out they you know get out there and play on the asphalt with broken nets and mm. they get pretty good sure you know, there's no yeah. coaches out there yep. they're just playing yeah. and then as they go into high school they get their they refine their game same with surfing you know you go to hawaii i was on the north shore one time and i looked up surfing lessons there are none no. There's all kind of ten-year-old kids out there in the short pound slam with boogie boards. They get pretty good. Where does the best dancing come from? It comes from the street, you know. Where did the Beatles come from? Did they come from the London Music Academy? They didn't. No. Nope. They just start playing. Right. And they listen to records, and that's how I learned. I had classical music crammed down my throat when I was six, seven, and eight, and I had to play accordion and trumpet and all this stuff. I hated it. You know, no more it's funny when I was eight or nine, or ninth grade, I started becoming this kind of athlete in football. And I could stand up to my friends. I don't want to play music anymore. I hate it. I couldn't stand music. Mm. And that was right when rock and roll was exploding. I mean, I'm old. The Everly Brothers, uh, Buddy Holly, Little Richard, Elvis, then the Beatles, the Beatles. I couldn't. I got the records. I got the sheets. And I taught myself every instrument. Because I love it, and I loved rock and roll, and I was in all kind of bands, and that taught me a really big thing about my philosophy. I hated music because I was playing stuff I didn't want to play, classical music or old swing tunes, and once I could play rock and roll like I love, I became great. You know, mm. if you love tennis, if you work on the passion first and the fun and the excitement and the trips and the and the town shows and the dinners and the shirts and the this and the that, uh, then the kids are going to become great. You, you, know? you didn't like if Benny you Goodman? Cram it down their throat or put them through all kind of requirements. You got to play with this ball, or you got to, or you can't play. You know, get out of the way. Yeah, let the kids play. Passion, fun, and reps. So, so, so Benny and Goodman the, isn't on your playlist. I, I, I assume on the iTunes. Ideally, the reps are perfect reps. Yeah, you good. Know, yeah, it don't look out the window. I don't want to see a kid with a Western forehand grip on a serve. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. see them turn to the side with the racket back earlier with their left hand pointing out. I want to see kinetic chin. I want to yeah. see them do it right, proper, natural. Those kind of reps are great. And same with music. The reps got to be perfect, and they got to be excellent and well crafted but then also hugely fun hugely exciting and then you know you can you can produce greatness yeah i love know? it well, what how comes the world's caught up with this and bypass this now you know especially our neighbors to the north canada what how, how is canada kicking our rear end in tennis gosh i was just with uh, daniel nestor and the, and the British Virgin and also Vachek Pospisil. Uh-huh, yeah, Vachek. And, yeah. and I, that's the same thing. I said, God, guys. Uh, oh, and also Carl Rove, who, who's a tournament director of Toronto. He's a great guy, former player, and uh, mm-hmm. 
does a great job. And I ask them all, I congratulate all three of them. What a hell of a year for Canadian tennis. Yeah, the yeah. best. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I said the exact same thing. How are you guys doing it? Because right. a little gal uh, is unbelievable. And, and, and gosh, all the, the male players, unbelievable. You know? Yeah, Chapo, uh, uh, Felix, FAA. Uh, a few of those guys, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and you know, you look at American tennis. Uh, we got. I was just with Coco Goff. Um, she played our Jack Nichols event with a four love, you know. Mm. And uh, she's 15 years old, you know. Did she come through the system? Of the she US did team? not. Hell no. Did Venus and Serena? They did no. not. Nope. Andy Roddick? No. Jenny uh, Cap? No. Oh. Mike and Bob Bryant? We mm. always say yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. We try. We work with you, we, you know, but they didn't. Yeah. Didn't mind bother with. You know, I mean, if, if they just look where the players come from, you know, uh, you know, every kid is different. Yeah. What motivates one kid may not motivate another's life. By the way, the parents of Coke are terrific. The dad was a hell of a uh, basketball, basketball player. player. Yeah, he was a Georgia and State he's a real Panther. Cool guy. He played Little League baseball with Vince Spadia for yeah. Brian Allen. One bat at three, one bat at four. Vince was that at the event as well. Awesome. So we were laughing about that. But he gets it. And, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's just, I, I, I think we got to not emasculate the coaches and parents on Main Street. Let them do it their way and share ideas. And if somebody's doing it right, they're going to be producing players. You know, uh, people ask me, well, what if you were the head of player development? I said, well, first I'd fire the staff and fire all the coaches. And then uh, I'd get three years of severance and then I'd fire myself, you know. But if you made me do it, I'd just go around the country looking at great programs and pat people on the back. Yeah, study those. Share yeah. ideas and say, hey, how's it working for you? What do you, blah, 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 blah. You don't think i talk to a billion coaches every day? I mean, I was like a coyote. I wanted to do it right, and I was mm. thinking, Kathy and I would be talking on our pillow every night, what's the best tournament for the boys to play next? Not for ego reasons or this or that. Reason. What's the best for the boys' tennis? Mm, yeah. And we talked about the backhand volley and this and that, and look at this study, that, talk to this coach, talk to that coach. But we communicated it to the boys mm -hmm. because we knew how to work with them, and uh, we don't want people... Because uh, you, it, it, it takes years, it takes 30,000 hours to build a player. It takes 10 years, you know, with reps and passion and events and this and that and tears and sweat. And, and fun. And yes. Laughter and pain and yeah. all kinds. Laughter. You, you can tear a, play, tear a player down in three weeks, there you know, okay. with some incorrect information and bad coaching and the wrong approach, you can literally have them out of sport in a month. It's, not, it's unbelievable, but you can. People and parents and teachers can make playing the drums drudgery. Mm. How can you make playing the drums drudgery? They can. They can ruin the playing of guitar and, and, and piano, and they can ruin the playing of the beautiful sport of tennis. Yeah. Wayne, that because actually, uh, doing. That, that flows right into one of our questions. Um, can you comment on the almost epidemic rise in anxiety and depression, even among athletes uh, in North America? 
Well, I think one of the reasons, and I don't want to overbeat this, but I've read articles on this about the angst of males in America, is video games. It's so freaking isolating and desensitizing, you know? And plus, a lot of people are homeschooling, which gets you out of the social thing, you know? Mm. Um, I, I, I think you really, I mean, people are, are what makes you healthy being around others I think sports is healthy I think the arts are healthy I think music is healthy dance theater speaking trips interaction mm-hmm. you're you're happiest when you're with others you're happiest when you're helping other people uh, when I, I was with a, um, a beautiful lady um, in the in the Necker Cup she's been excuse me, the legend camp I ran. Um, she's been coming for eight years. Uh, she lost her husband oh. last year in a terrible way. I don't really want to go into the details of how she lost him, but it was is it was awful That's the fine. way she lost yeah. her no no reason. But she was, you know, crying most days and she'd come up and hug me and she'd really a fan of mine and so forth and so on and what can I tell her what can I say to her to help her you know and here's what I told her and this applies to the question you're asking about mm-hmm. depression and anxiety and so forth in American young men and I said you know your skies are as black as they can be they'll never be blacker and it's black and I said, I had really black skies two years ago. You lost did? lost my mom in January. I lost my dad in June. Oh, wow. I lost my Sorry. best friend in August. <laughs> I, Bob, was in a wheelchair because he couldn't walk anymore. That's it, yeah. yeah. And I had to watch that match where he stumbled to the ground and couldn't get up. And he was in, almost crying. He was in so much pain. And then... The trainer came out, and then he stumbled back up to the service line after about 10 minutes, and God bless, played another point, and then fell to the ground, and he was in a wheelchair for two weeks. He was in incredible pain. That was painful. And my mm. wife had a really complex reaction to uh, cataract surgery. It was in massive pain, and had went through terrible trauma with her eye, unbelievable pain. And then Mike got divorced in November for various reasons that we thought it, they had a wonderful marriage and they didn't and I didn't know about it anyway six tragedies all in one year one year three deaths two surgeries and a divorce and they were massively painful to me as a person I mean if any one of those things happened in a year I'd be just devastated yeah, but they all six. six happened in an 11 month period you talk about black skies whoa they were black in fact it was so bad it was almost funny. I hate to say it. It, it wasn't funny, but it was almost yeah. funny because it was so bad. And I, I kept thinking, in a way, I'm glad it's all happening at once because it just can't get any worse. Anyway, what did, I, what did the Wayne Bryan, this coach, who you're interviewing, what did I learn in that year? I learned this, that even with the blackest of skies, there's little shafts of golden light that come through those black skies mm. almost on a daily basis 
and sometimes there are two or three. And what you must do is go over to those little shafts of light and put your arm around them and hold on tight and just try to make them grow. And for me, that was these five little girls by helping them, working really hard with them with their tennis and making it fun music. and their music. And I, I can't work with them and come on the court depressed or down. I can't have tears in my eyes. I got to get these girls fired up and give them an unbelievable two hours with the band, give them an unbelievable hour on court or two or more and go to the tournament. And I got to reach out and keep this Mike and Bob's foundation going and doing our good works with kids. I mean, we've donated 1.5 million to kids and kids programs over the past few years. And we, mm. There's a lot of people right. depending on us every year to keep the program going. We got to do it, right. and so I don't have time to feel sorry for myself. Yes, I went through my grieving, and you know you just have to. But I just try to help others, yeah, as yeah. hard as I can go. And you know something? In so doing, it came back to me, and I told the girls, and because I don't charge them. Uh, in fact, most of the stuff I do, I will chart. I've reached my financial goal about seven or eight years ago. I don't really need any more money, so I do all this stuff. And I said, you know, you guys really saved my life working with you. Thank you very much. I'm always thanking them for what they do for me. Mm. So if people, and I know there's some pros that after the tour, they're all depressed. Oh, my God, I didn't have any excitement. Why don't you get a foundation? Or help kids. You know so much about tennis. Or right. once you yeah. do stuff for other people, many do. Andre, Andy, James Blake, uh, so many people in tennis. Kevin Anderson. So many do wonderful things. And when you do stuff for others, it always comes back to you. Yeah. Uh, look, I worked unbelievably hard with Mike and Bob. So did my wife. We were so dedicated. Every day we dedicated. To but it came, it comes back in spades. I mean, they're my best friends. I have unbelievable admiration. I've just spent a bunch of time with them lately. And Mike will be home here uh, Sunday night, and, and Bob will be coming in late December. And I'm enjoying working with the grandkids. So if people are depressed, and you you, you brought it, to, they just need to do more and get more with people, and get a passion. You got a passion. You ain't depressed. I can't wait to get up every day. You know, right. so uh, I, got, I got too much to do. I can't wait to get out of bed. When I'm down working the in the British Virgin Islands, I mean, I'm up at six and I'm a roll. I got a bunch of people depending on me. Uh, the, the Jack Nichols event, we raised $1.2 million in two days because Bob busts his butt all year putting it together, you know? And Jack Nichols is a grand guy. I hate to tell you, I mean, we're so proud we've made $1.5 million for kids and kids programs. Wow. How much yeah. has Jack Nichols made? Yeah. You, you go, wow, but I'm going to tell you this. He's made $100 million for children's hospitals across mm. the country. Now, that is some stuff. That's impressive. You know, I yeah. mean, we just get on our knees. We're just humbled. He's a huge fan of Mike and Bob. We go, how can you be a huge fan of Mike? We're a huge fan of you. Yeah. You know? Here's Gary Player and Lee Trevino. These kind of people are just, I mean, it, it, it just takes your breath away yeah. how great people are. And we're just trying to keep up. We're, you know, like I always say about Mike and, Mike and are we 
We're just trying to leave the tennis campsite cleaner than we found it. In announcing their retirement on the tennis channel about three right. weeks ago, yes. I mean they did, they want to go around one more time, not for adulation or have people give them motorcycles. They want to go around and thank everybody yeah. for all they've done for them and been so good to them, whether they're drivers or tournament directors or ball kids or whatever they are, the sponsors, media, you name it. We're just so appreciative of everything people have done. So if people are depressed, get off your butt and do something for somebody else. Don't worry about yourself. What are most alcoholics and drug addicts? They can only think about themselves. You, you've ever been around an alcoholic? All they think about is themselves. Yeah, that's uh, true. And the first thing they got to learn is, hey, help others and, and stop doing what you're doing and leading a deceitful life. You know, you need to get out there. I'm not trying to be overly yeah. moralistic here, but just from a practical standpoint, when you do stuff for others, you feel better. You do? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Wayne, that, Wayne yeah. great stuff. Yeah. We want to transition into uh, a question. In, in a way, you've already answered. We sometimes like to appoint you as uh, appoint our guests, and in this case, you certainly very qualified to be the commissioner of international tennis. And sometimes we ask, look, if you can wave your racket and make one huge change in the tennis world. You've already mentioned um, shorter schedule, and uh, yeah. let's let's kick it off. Um, uh, well, I, I have a, a, a million, but just to, to do a few. Yeah, give us yeah. your number two yeah. one. Yeah, just a few. I mean, a pro tennis, shorter schedule, sure. More team events. Love it. For kids. I think teams are what makes the world go round, you know. Um, more doubles. There's more smiles on the doubles court. We have a thing called mixed doubles. It needs to be a run up the flag. We're the only sport where men and women play together, but we hide it. We have a minimal amount of prize money. We have 150000 for the winner of the U.S. It should be a million bucks. Sure, why not? Put it on prime time. Bob, there's a long Martina story. Um, it's a funny story. I, I, we played on time. To, anyway, he won. Martinez last match they won the mixed up US yeah. Open yeah, yeah that's right time that's on plan. Saturday night. people love it they're still talking about it I mean we, we need more mixed more doubles more team events less micromanaging by the USTA they need to get out of the way they should not be involved in coaching they should be the hardware you know do the events the rankings make them fair you know uh, but leave the coaches the coaching to coaches we got plenty of great coaches. Get out of the way. No player development. You know, don't pontificate. Because what if you're wrong? And you usually are, you know? Um, so, shorter season. Uh, team, team. More. Yep. Uh, clubs should put out newsletters all the time and don't put in do's and don'ts. Put in 250 pictures each week in your newsletter talk about all the members what they've been doing give the people back themselves more leagues more social events more junior adult events fundraise for high schools I mean the mm -hmm. average high school budget is like 500 bucks everybody should be donating to high school tennis we need to run high school tennis up the flagpole we need to run college tennis up the flagpole mixed double them. we should have maximum maximum one foreign player on each team 
I, I'm sad to say there's many teams in the U.S. have six foreign players. Six. What no, the no, hell are we doing? Don't get me started. You know me. Uh, don't. I mean, I, I've been fighting this for 20 years. They, every, I got a back full of arrows. People think I'm nuts. It's, it's hideous. You know, those people in France and Hong Kong and Sweden and Russia and Brazil, they don't play these hefty educational taxes that we all pay. If they did, we could discuss it. If you want to have one per team for international goodwill, fine. You want to be president of the United States, you got to be American. Right. You want to do this America, you got to be American. You know, if you want to play Japanese baseball, you get, I don't know, one or two Americans per team. Right. It's, it's some, yeah. You want to play Davis Cup, you got, I mean, God almighty, why did we start college tennis 100 years ago? So we could take care of all these Europeans? Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, some kid from Mississippi who's number nine in the state of Mississippi, he can't play for that school, you know, or Louisiana. Come on, what are we doing? Right. Uh, if we just do that, and if we just took kids to college matches every week during the spring season. Love that. And why should I take three or 400 kids at Davis Cup? Why don't the USDA do it? You know, why fly all the rich people around first class and take care of their airfare on the board to the Davis Cup? Let them pay. They can't. Take kids to Davis yeah. Cup and college matches. It's so freaking simple, you know, and then get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's just a few. That's just a few. Well, no, that's. I, I just pointed. I was showing the Facebook people raising, raising your child. That's what you're saying right there, right? Kids. That's the next generation that's here. To, here that's going to take care of us. And mm -hmm. if we're not taking care of them, they're not going to take care of us. You know, that's just the point. That's for sure. Yeah, that's no, for sure. But, we uh, have the world's greatest sport. We just have to do it well. Um, and what was that Davis Cup debacle? Holy! Oh, God. Uh, th that's uh, that's actually on our run sheet, but we didn't get to it. But yeah, Can what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, the boys love playing Davis Cup. They love to go to Slovakia to play and have twelve thousand people going nuts. They love to play in the Rose Garden in two thousand and seven and bring their Davis Cup back home. Yes. And Andy Roddick and James, but they were going hard for a long time, and they did it. And they were proud to play four times a year. They didn't ever complain. No. They were all over the world playing. They loved it. Home yeah. and away. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, and, and if, oh, Roger didn't play, oh, my God, we got to do something. Well, he didn't play this year either because he was playing in Mexico City with Mike and Bob. Right. You know? <laughs> Uh, hey. So what? what a, it, didn't, it didn't do anything in terms no. of no. who played. The, you know, you couldn't see uh, it, Wayne, on TV. Where was it? I had to. Yeah, where we, was we, it? You know, it, I had to search it just YouTube. What was a great thing? And Labor doesn't is not a favorite. Newcomb, Leighton Hewitt, Mike and Bob, Andy, none of them. You know, that, that, that's a shame because that was a great tradition. And how are you going to get tennis in Zimbabwe? Davis Cup. Davis Cup. Lithuania. Davis Cup. You know, right. they just removed it. I mean. Uh, it's, it's watered down. Now you're not. Yeah, I mean, one of the greatest matches I saw was David Ferrer playing in the Bull Ring in Spain when they were playing France in the Davis Cup final in the fifth, fifth match, the fifth rubber. Man, I remember watching that. I was like, man, I would love to have been him. He was playing in front of his home crowd yeah. and he won the match. And I was like, oh my God! I remember him talking about that was the, one of the greatest experiences he ever. Unbelievable day in the Bull yeah, Ring. Every player that plays David Cup has those those things. They're just a ton of them. Oh. They're just crazy epic. I mean, everywhere that. U.S. team played. It was just freaking packed. Yeah, people uh, were well, going nuts. Well, we were in Fort Worth. It was all over the world, you know. Rather than just one little city. I mean, 
there, there was like no fans at some of those matches. Oh, uh, no there's more on this fans. podcast than there were in the stands. Yeah, and, and <laughs> more. Uh, my joke was more ball kids and yeah. and coaches than fans in in the first row. It's terrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, call me old school, but I I just loved the way Davis Cup was. Oh yeah, I I yeah. just I hate hate. Uh, don't get me started on that. That's that's what we call get off my lawn. Second guest in a row. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Second guest in a row extolling yes. Yes. the virtues of the traditional, the real Davis Cup. Yes. Inspiring yeah. me to wear my old sweat, my old Deodora sweatshirt with the old NEC logo. I got to dig that one back yeah. down. Yeah. I love yeah. Davis Cup too. Anything team, I'm in. Yeah. We just talked to Mariano Puerta yeah. last Sunday, and he goes, "I hate yeah. it." Yeah. He's you know for Argentine. He lives here in Dallas, and we yeah. were fortunate enough to talk to Mariano. He's he was great. And he goes, what, "What do you think about Davis Cup?" He goes, Oh, no, no, no good. Yeah, he just, it was like, why change it? It was okay. It was, it, you couldn't well, find you know, it. When you talk about Mariana, I got to tell you a yeah. story. This, yeah, this is too. Kind of like USDA thing, but I mean, uh, the boys called him the almighty Puerto because he was number one in the world. He was oh, a couple years older than yeah. the boys. They just thought he was an yeah. unbelievable yeah. player. There was another guy they thought was really good. He was a year ahead of them. Uh, Nico Lapente. Oh, Lapente, yeah. yeah. Also Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay, so the, the boys are, I guess, about 16, 17, skinny, weighed about 105 pounds, and they're playing a big international junior tournament, I think, in Toronto or Montreal, somewhere, uh-huh. Canada. And they were with the, you know, national coaches and so forth. And uh, I said, well, guys, they said, we're playing the almighty port. <laughs> we're going to just try to win, God, a few points if we could just win some points against these guys. I mean, you know, Mike and Bob, again, with about 105 pounds, these guys were 100% mature at that time. Oh, yeah. And he, so he said, was big, said, strong well, guys, dude. Try to get out there and win a game if you can, you know. So they said, and then they called me and asked, and I said, Dad, unbelievable. We lost 6-0, 7-6. And they were freaking thrilled out of their minds. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. because they really thought it was going to be an O and O. And yeah. I said, God, I'm so happy. It was like they won Wimbledon, you know. And I said, what the USTA coaches say? They said, oh, they just ripped us, you know. So there you go. That's yeah. my Mariana Ouch. Puerta story. I'll, I'll, I'll see him in a couple of days. I'm going to call him the almighty Puerta. And he'll see, yeah. see if we yeah. sure. see will love that. <laughs> almighty Puerta. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Almighty, that's what they called it. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, that's uh, yeah, uh, Mariano. You know, just stuff like that. That yeah. uh, you know, what you're saying, the uh, uh, yeah, Davis Cup. I mean, I'm just so disappointed in what um, uh, we, we can't. We've come to because that's a, a huge tradition. It just meant a yeah. lot to players. Uh, we had Tom Gullickson on uh, a few months ago, and he that's was true. talking about the Davis Cup and his experiences. I mean, that's, that's just, uh, that's not going to be the same. And no. nothing that should be the, the same. the had 24 wins mm-hmm. uh, as the David, U.S. Davis Cup, which is a record. It's yeah, so, it is. The best records probably won't even be around anymore yeah. because, you know, it's a whole different thing now. Yeah. You know? yeah it's, Too it's, bad. Yeah, no, it's too bad that uh, it's not going to be be the same. And, and uh, you know, tennis, it's the great game. That's why I always call it the great game. Because, like you said, we, we were able to p- compete with women uh, side by side. It, it was exactly. fun watching the Hopman Cup, watching uh, Serena. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. People love it. And that's, that yeah. should be run up the flagpole. That yeah. should be on, on Put a million stage. bucks in it. 
Yeah, you know, take it out of player development. They yeah. got about 16, 18 million a year. Stick that money in the mix. Yes. Stick no. it in college tennis. Stick it in American, in high school tennis. If, if you got a team that has six American players, give them 10 grand. Give the tennis channel yeah. 5 million. You know, we wouldn't have lost L.A. if you gave them a million. We wouldn't have lost Indianapolis. Oh, that is There's so many things. That, that makes we, me so lost. sad losing those. Oh, yeah. those two. Yeah, there was there were some um, great events around that uh, you just kind of go really. Memphis, Memphis was another one. Yeah. You know, the yeah. Memphis Indoor that was there for you know fifty years or whatever San, it was. San Jose, California. San Jose, is yeah, one San Jose, really yeah. right around yeah, in the You're going to think this is funny too, but um, yeah. I, I actually think. They should. Uh, I think the players get about twenty four percent of the gross of the U.S. Open. I think they should get sixty percent. Yeah, twenty four. You know, yeah. I, I think I think the mix should have a million, and the men's double should have a million, and the men's single should be five million. I think the more money you put into it, uh, the more uh, prestige it has. I mean, look at the baseball coaches, the basketball. Oh, These tennis players are known in Rome. They're known in Stockholm. Nobody knows the second baseman of the Dodgers in yeah. Tel Aviv or Moscow, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, and the USTA spends it, in my opinion, very poorly. You know, yeah. it all goes to their side. 97% of the USTA budget is, is salary. So I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I just yeah. think the more prize money, uh, yeah, they make a lot of money. But not compared to the sports. Yeah, yeah. Rendon just signed with the, the Angels for what two hundred and forty-five million dollars, seven years. That just was. Sure. I love baseball. He's going to the Dodgers. Dog, got it. No, he went to the Angels. Yeah, the Angels just Shoot. got him. He's going to be there. We're hitting balls with uh, uh, Trout and Otani and Mike Trout. Yeah. Another well-paid. Oh my God. Those Houston Astros doing banging those trash cans. <laughs> What's the latest on that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Parcells cheating, watching the Cincinnati Bengals taping. I'm like, you really? You, you need to tape, you know, the, the Cincinnati Bengals sidelines so you can yeah. so you can beat the Bengals. Come on, Bill. Come on. No, you know? Overkill. Or the Astros, you know, stealing signs. You Overkill. Know, for, Overkill. Oh, Gosh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Don't get us started. Yeah, we're yeah. we're the other sports fans, but yes, you're right. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. People can't make it. The 150th ranked player in the world can't make a living on the tour. There's no way, no. and that's that's a crime. That's even the 500. Now, if you're looking at the 150th best baseball player, football player, they're making millions still, no. they're, they're, and they've got yeah. guaranteed contracts. Could there not be a way the USTA could help out our tournament directors, ATP, WTA? Uh, ITF, ABC, XYZ, guaranteed contracts or something? Is there not a way to, to work on that where these kids can make some money and, you know, you don't have to live in a VW bus, you know, driving around with a mattress in the back, sleeping at, uh, you know, the uh, KOA campground? You know, mm. is there not a way for them to do it? Exactly. And the, and the USO makes a ton of money, and I think it should be spent in different ways. Yeah. Do, do they not just want to? I mean, I mean, you've got you've got the pulpit. You've yeah, got, you, let's yeah. Let, Craig. Let's follow through on this Wayne Bryan, Commissioner of Tennis, right? Idea. Yeah, we, we're going <laughs> to start this right man. here at at the Net Podcast. Wayne Bryan, Father Wayne, for Commissioner I'm of Tennis. Too busy with these five girls. That's my, that's what I'm doing. Now. <laughs> before before we go, and we don't want to take. We know yeah. we spent an hour and a half yeah, of your little, time. Yeah, yeah. Tell us the name of that girls' group. What's that? Those five girls. They're called the California Cuties. Oh, there we go, California Cuties. I like it. So we'll it are they on iTunes? Spotify. Spotify. Can we find them? Uh, we we got some YouTube stuff. Not really ready yet. Okay. But, um, there there will be. I, 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 well, look, their goal is to be the best band in the world in eight years, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be. Well, I'm it's sure. on it's on the fridge, right, Wayne? Right. It's yeah, on the fridge. <laughs> it's on the fridge. Exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, and this, they don't have video games either. Right. So. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, uh, I'm sure that with Father Wayne and the California Cuties, there's going to be uh, some people that are interested you know, here in the next few few years. So I'm, well, I'm going to go sure. look for them. I'm going to I'm going to keep following uh, their their, uh, their their music. I'm I'm interested to start playing music. I was a trumpet player for six years. I need to. No you know, kidding. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I was I was a band nerd and a tennis. So you were like in marching bands and yes. stuff like that. Yes, I was he, in he high was, school. Yeah. yeah. My wife said she would have never married me because she knew I, I did. She didn't know me in high school. I was a tennis player. And I was in the band, so I was a double nerd. So she <laughs> now C sharp, all three things are down, and E the first two are D yes. first and third. Yes, I play trumpet as well. Yes. All right, look yeah. at it. he knows these three. I had a Getson Severinsen with a Bach uh, six C uh, mouthpiece. I used so we marched all oh, over the place. Right. Yeah, no, we we uh, were in Portland, Oregon, as the honor band in 1976 at the uh, Rose Festival, all the way down to Alamo City. To uh, that's where his boys won the Davis Cup. That's right, in Portland, or one of the. Yeah, yeah. 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 I marched yeah. marched there. We were have some pictures of me marching in the band uh, in the uh, uh, where Portland State plays football. So we uh -huh. were there and stayed at Lewis and Clark. Right? No, not there at that time. We were in June. It was un it was there was the one nice day for Chamber of Commerce uh, that we were able to march. Really, when we were there for Davis Cup. I was there for seven days. It rained every day, all day, every day, every day. The other thing is on the corner. There's like four Starbucks, one on each corner. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah. And they're all packed. Oh yeah, because all you got to do is drink coffee and just you know it's so gloomy. You got to got to pep yourself up somehow. Get the caffeine. It's beautiful it's just, up there though. Oh, I, I, it's beautiful. Beautiful. otherwise yes. Those two days that I saw in in June, they were really nice. You know, it was. Uh, but I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Music, you know, the 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 arts. Uh, athletics. Yeah. Uh, I was never academic minded, so I had two of the three. Well, you know, except for the history and the Civil uh, War. Yeah, well, that was not. Uh, you know, I, I was. I think I was better in tennis and and music than I was in the Civil War. Definitely but, good tennis players. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, Wayne, we want to let you go because I mean, we've we've taken an hour and a half of your time. Wayne, you yeah. rock, man. Will you come Thank back you. and join us? We want you to come back. I mean, because yeah. we can keep Anytime. going. Anytime. Anytime. No. Yeah, and I'll be, uh, I'll be in Houston in uh, in early April. Okay. okay. Oh, at River. Let me, uh, let me buy you guys lunch. And that's we'll, such a great event. They, we'll probably see uh, you there, and maybe we'll do a. Van Barry ran it for years. Yes, yes, I'm ready to And I don't want to be negative on UC. I, I mean, no, I, I have a lot of friends that uh, are staff members, and, and they are passionate about what they do. Yeah, and they, yeah they're, they're well meaning they're people. doing the right thing. I've just seen too much of uh, some of these things. No, that, uh, no, I mean, no. you know, I've been right there with it, but yep. they're all good people and they're, they're yes. doing the best they can. And, yeah, they're trying hard. Wayne, let me just say, yeah. not, not just thanks for motivating everybody, but thanks for telling the truth. And thanks for being on the show, my man. It was yeah. really fun. Yes, yeah, so this hour and a half went by fast. Yeah, we, it went we had a few notes, and we just kept kept going. That's that's what we like to do. Just kind of listening to you, kind of off the cuff questions, comments, follow up. I mean, there's so many other things that we could have talked about that we have on the run sheet, but mm. we were going to save well, that for another you, day. Thank you for reading the book. I'm, I'm honored and oh. appreciated. What, what resonated with with you guys? Just quickly before we, we you know uh, before we leave on the book. For me, um, you know, I've always been. Um, uh, you know, there are different ways to motivate somebody, and the best yes. ones come from them. It's intrinsic rather than exactly. Uh, exactly. reinforced, or uh, whether it's positive or negative reinforcement. I liked and learned from your side door idea, and I think I mentioned it you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes ago. I, I love yeah. that idea, and that was a huge takeaway for me. Besides the funny yeah. stuff, 
and the you know the less is more was a good one. I know my dad was yeah. big on that too. So those those were the the, the highlights for me. Uh, besides the fun stuff, and you know it's really nicely written. I think um, I think your wife must have done a nice job because your. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, for me, I, I loved your story about you know the driver to the airport. Joe, is it George Soper? George. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, down in ATP, right? Yes. After that, but I'll never forget what he said, and he, and he had tears in his eyes when he mm-hmm. said it. You know that. Boy, that was it. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, he, yeah. And for the for the folks at home, he was a successful businessman who volunteered as a driver. driver. Had yeah. multiple businesses. Yeah. And, just, and I was down doing something for the ATP, and he was a driver. He said, I just like to help people drive. Yeah, right. I said, well, that's really nice of you. And, yeah. you know, I said, which of your businesses is... is is your favorite? What the most, business are you most proud of? Because he was a millionaire many times. Over. He said, "Oh, none of my businesses. I'm most proud of my kids. Yeah. Beautiful. And they give me joy every day." Yeah. And there yeah. we go. That's that's a great place to end. You know, Hollywood ending. Yeah. A little bit of right a tear. Yep. And uh, credits roll. And Wayne Bryan, right. you've been fantastic. Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah, you guys have been great. Great questions. I enjoyed talking with you. And yeah. I hope we can do it again sometime, we either will. in person or, yeah, no. or on the air. But I really appreciate all you both yeah. do. You know it. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and Wayne, tonight uh, on our way home, I'll send you those photos of the before and after. Uh, of how well your book works with people. So, <laughs> and we've got a nice, uh, ni- Thanks nice. Thanks, Craig. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Adrian. Yes, thank, thank you, buddy. Thank you. We've got a All nice best. little cooler thank coming you so for you. Yeah, with your too. All right, adios. All right. So, thank you, gang. Buddy. Thanks for listening to season one, episode twenty-two of Athenet Podcast. Be sure to tell all your friends. Or friends, as we like your peeps, and hopefully they'll like us, right? Yes, hopefully they, they will. will. Yeah. And that's the tennis news as it seems, seems to, to us. us. Good night from Dallas, Texas, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good night, everybody.